This is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I'm your host, Davy Crockett. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Looks like today only my biggest fans came. Yay! This is episode 21. In this episode, you will get to know Moat Bergman, an unknown ultra-running hero who probably was the first American to run a sub-24-hour 100-miler in the modern era. After the golden age of pedestrianism of the late 1800s, a new breed of ultra-distance runners emerged in the early 1900s. Events were few, the world wars and the Great Depression all but snuffed out their efforts to continue to go the distance to demonstrate what is possible. It became impossible to try to make a living with their legs. In America, only the most determined runner emerged out of the strife of the 1930s and 1940s to continue their craft into the post-war modern era of ultra-running. One of these athletes was Alvin Moat Bergman. In 1896, the first marathon was competed in the inaugural Olympic Games at Athens, Greece. The idea was quickly adopted elsewhere and the Boston Marathon soon was established. Other marathons followed and competing at that distance grew in attention. After American pedestrianism dwindled, there were only a small number of runners competing at longer distances such as 50 miles and 100 miles. The Trans-American Races, or Bunyan Derbies, of 1928 and 29 did gather together talented runners, but soon America turned their attention to just surviving during the Depression. I love history. Without very many ultra-distance professional events to compete in, some of these early ultra-runners used their marketing creativity to transition to solo artists. Moat Bergman would eventually take this road in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area and would become known as the wizard of the colossal art of walking and the world champion birthday walker. He was one of the very few American ultra-runners who kept up ultra-running through the Great Depression, through the World War II years, and went on to span into the modern era. He was likely the first American to walk or run a sub-24-hour 100-miler in the post-war modern era of ultra-running. Alvin Floyd Bergman was born in Virginia on May 14, 1887, weighing only 4 pounds. His father was a carpenter and his grandparents came from Germany. He was frail as a child and started walking for exercise when he was 10 years old. His family moved to Leedsdale, Pennsylvania, a small town on the Ohio River outside of Pittsburgh. In 1900, at the age of 13, he began long-distance walks to build himself up physically. He had read a story about the walking champion Edward Payson Weston, who advised people seeking good health to walk, walk, walk. That year, he started a very long string of his birthday walks, matching miles to his age. Those birthday walks were eventually featured in Ripley's Believe It or Not column, and Moat would keep them going until he was 80 years old. He wasn't a powerful-looking man, only 145 pounds and 5.5 feet tall. His nickname, Moat, was derived from his small stature. Moat became a barber, also turned into a professional runner in 1909, and participated in some running races. 
That year, he ran a marathon of about 36 miles near Pittsburgh in a bad snowstorm and finished in 5 hours and 25 minutes. Late that year, he also participated in a 72-hour go-as-you-please race. Walking from his hometown in Pennsylvania to many major cities in the East became a lifetime activity in the summer during his vacation time. In 1914, at the age of 27, Moats set off on a 300-mile walk from his home in Leedsdale to Huntington, West Virginia, a distance of about 300 miles. He expected it to take eight days. For the first day, his birthday, he walked 27 miles to celebrate. His various walks received newspaper attention, and he said he believed he could break the world's record of 121 miles without a stop. Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town. In 1915, at the age of 28, he achieved his most proud accomplishment. He walked from Pittsburgh to Chicago and attempted to break all speed records for segments between the two cities. It was reported, quote, He has won considerable fame over the country for his efforts and holds several medals for record hikes. Moat was successful arriving in Chicago after a distance of about 503 miles in an incredible 6 days, 23 hours, and 45 minutes. It was believed to be a world record at that time. During that trip, he walked for a short time with pedestrian legends Dan O'Leary of Chicago and Edward Payson Weston of New York. Moat ran several years in a professional foot-running race called Pittsburgh Leader Race that went from Newcastle to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The race was billed as a 50-miler, but the distance varied each year depending on the route. It was probably closer to 60 miles. The runners were aided by helpers in horse-drawn buggies along the way. In 1915, the winner finished in 8 hours and 39 minutes. A 72-year-old Civil War veteran and famous pedestrian, Stephen Old Soldier Barnes, came in 17th. Wagering took place as to whether the old man would even finish. Moat finished in two minutes after Old Soldier in 18th. A few months later, Moat and Old Soldier dueled against each other in a double Pittsburgh leader, a two-day stage race from Pittsburgh to Newcastle and back for more than 100 miles. Sadly, later in 1919, Old Soldier Barnes came down with cancer, walked his last match, and passed away later that year. The 1916 Pittsburgh Leader Race was Moat's finest year in that event when he finished in second place in a revised course that was closer to 50 miles. He ran that race every year that it was held and was sponsored several times by a newspaper. In 1929, at the age of 42, Moat ran 400 miles from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania to Dover, Delaware in seven days. He had prepared specifically for this event, piling up 1,200 miles of training. He hoped to compete in a race across America in 1930, but that event was never held. He did run 74 miles in 12 hours in Philadelphia. In 1930, Moat tried to break a record running from his home 37 miles to Newcastle, Pennsylvania, where a family reunion was being held. Unfortunately, he was stopped by a policeman and questioned for 50 minutes before he could continue on. He still covered the distance in 5 hours and 20 minutes. During the Great Depression, Moat's real passion was walking. 
He wasn't out to set records, he just wanted to walk. As he perfected his walking, he was able to maintain a speed of up to five miles per hour. In 1931, Moat hiked from New York to Pittsburgh in seven days and stated that he thinks nothing of walking 50 miles a day. For a couple days, he covered 67 miles in 15 to 16 hours each day. Everyone ought to forget their autos for an hour a day and walk five or six miles. It's the greatest health builder in the world. In 1936, he accomplished a 55-mile walk to Sharon, Pennsylvania, fueled only by a saucer of grapefruit at the start. When he arrived, he was greeted by the mayor and a band. In 1937, at the age of 50, his birthday walks began to get attention nationally. He said, a man is as old as his legs. That year, he claimed to have walked 250,000 miles lifetime. Walking 100 miles in a day became a goal. In 1939, at the age of 52, he took his walking talents to the Leedsdale High School track, where he walked or ran 100 miles in 22 hours and 5 minutes on the quarter-mile track. He would accomplish several other sub-24-hour hundreds in the future. It was reported, Moat frequently walks 200 miles before breakfast just to get an appetite, and he always fasts as part of his training before a long-distance stroll. I am hungry. The next month, Moat received a lot of national attention by walking about 400 miles to the New York World's Fair in six days, five hours. Once there, he was honored by participating in a radio program. In 1940, now age 53, Moat walked 150 miles to participate in a festival in Elkins, West Virginia. His days were carefully planned to walk about 50 miles per day from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. At the festival, he participated in a wood chopping contest and demonstrated his barber skills by shaving a man with an axe. Many other times, he would do unusual things at the conclusion of a walk. Once after a walk to Washington, D.C., he washed his feet in the fountain on the Capitol lawn. As war broke out, Moat gave up the barber profession because it was too confining. In 1943, Moat was an auxiliary military policeman at a war plant. America prepares. All America alters its pattern of life and work to meet the demand for protection. Industry is a double step to supply the sinews of safety, the armaments of war that an embattled world must have if democracy is to survive. Gas rationing was in effect, and the local newspaper thought it would be funny to do a feature on Moat because gas rationing was not a problem for Moat. It was reported, Never in his life did he own an automobile. His only possible concern could be over his supply of walking shoes. But Mr. Bergman possesses five pairs, which at 5,000 miles to the pair and 500 miles to the sole should last him for the duration. Whenever he would buy a new pair of shoes, he would put them on and wade in a bathtub full of water for an hour. Then he would go walk 40 to 50 miles, letting them dry out on the way. The shoes squish around a little, but walking around in them for the rest of the day takes care of the squish. They dry out and fit like gloves. The most miles he achieved on a pair of shoes was 
10,000 miles, he would put a bit of tape around the backs of the shoes to keep the stones from jumping in, an early version of gaiters. In 1944, for his 57-mile birthday walk that year, a young woman, 19-year-old Emily Sintoni, a war worker at the American Bridge Company's shipyard, paced him for 10 miles on his journey around the Ambridge High School athletic track. During his walks, he ate eggs, olives, raisins, bread, orange juice, dextrose, and coffee. Usually his son, John Bergman, would keep track of his laps and times, but he was away serving in the medical corps in England. So Moat's wife, Verna, kept track of his long walk from the sidelines. She said that since the war started, Moat had worn out all his shoes and used all her war coupons. Every room in their house was littered with shoes. She said that after his birthday treks that he relaxed on their living room couch and required bell service from her to bring him cream for his feet or a little lemonade. She joked that she covered nearly the same miles he does by fulfilling his requests. By the mid-1940s, Moat estimated that he had walked or run about 260,000 miles so far during his lifetime. To keep in shape, he would fast three times a year from three to seven days. He said his secret was to just put one foot in front of the other and push. He described a long walk to be a distance greater than 25 miles. I wouldn't get dressed up for less than 25 miles. At the age of 58 in 1945, Moat, now a pipe inspector, set off to again walk about 500 miles from Pittsburgh to Chicago, duplicating his 1915 achievement when he covered the distance in less than seven days. He took off from the Post-Gazette building on a September afternoon in a pelting rain. He had no intentions of trying to break his record. He just wanted to get there in time to watch the Chicago Cubs in the World Series. Moat sent money ahead to the hotels he would stop at. With the rain coming down, it forced him to walk on the cement pavement. He preferred to walk on the dirt shoulders. To fuel himself, he took along a mixture of dextrose and orange juice. After 40 or 50 miles, I like a couple of bottles of beer. Then I'm good for another 10 miles. His walk took 10 days in the poor weather. Moat had perfected the ultra shuffle and explained that the secret to long distance walking was keeping the feet as close as possible to the ground. I never raise my leg if I can help it, and I never turn around and look back. That's wasted effort, and I find it means a lot. When Moat walked, he carried a two foot long walking stick, not only to club dogs, but to help him with his balance. The stick was heavier on one end. When he first started out, he would grip the stick on the heavy end, but by the time he had neared the end of his run, the stick had dropped and the heavy end was swung like a pendulum. It gives me momentum, sort of a push with each step. In about 1948, he participated in a 75-mile race on a track, which was his last formal race. He explained, There were 16 of us in it, and all 16 finished. But at one point of the race, they accused me of fouling, stepping on the other fellow's heels and nudging them in the ribs. A fight broke out among the spectators when they accused me, and while the fight was going on, someone robbed the box office. I came in third and got 39 cents. During his 1949 summer vacation, Moat set off to Atlantic City, 400 miles away. 
At mile 13, he stopped for a cup of coffee and said, Rough going today. Nodded at the traffic. Very hazardous. I remember when I first started walking, all I had to look out for were horses and buggies and the occasional pig. <laughs> On reaching Atlantic City, his plan was to walk up and down the boardwalk a few times. Moat sent his luggage ahead in separate boxes to various hotels and hoped to average 50 miles a day. His wife, Verna, was worried because Moat wasn't in the best of shape that year. Moat's Atlantic City walk was successful. It only took him about eight days. As soon as he arrived, he changed his clothes, ate, and took a walk on the boardwalk that he would grow to love. He planned to stay a few days to look over the bathing beauties. As with most of the running solo artists over the years, he was a blatant self-promoter who constantly sought sponsors to help fund his walks, and he frequently found them. He would get sponsorships from clubs he belonged to and local businesses. While he gained national fame, he was never rich and stayed true to his main message. My advice to all is if they want to enjoy good health and long life is to walk, walk, walk. He told reporters continually that he had a transcontinental walk across America in his near-term plans, but he never attempted it, probably because he lacked the sponsorships. Moat's worst obstacle during his walks were usually dogs. He said once, while walking across Indiana, A dog tried to make a dinner out of me. My foot swelled up like a watermelon, but I recovered after treating myself with beer and whiskey. Not the dog, though. He died. But Moat loved dogs and very often walked with his dogs. He had one dog that lasted 70,000 miles. They're the best companions on the road you can get. No matter what the weather is like, no matter how cold it is, they never complain about sore feet. I love all dogs, but all dogs don't love me. Down through the years, I've had about 13 dog bites. On August 26, 1950, at the age of 63, Moat accomplished another sub-24-hour 100-mile walk. He walked through several towns with a car following to measure the distance on the speedometer. When it showed 50 miles, he turned around and started back. He finished in about 23 hours, 30 minutes. It was likely the first sub-24-hour 100-miler accomplished by an American in the post-war era of ultra-running. Moat continued his annual birthday walks and at the age of 65 walked from Detroit to Pontiac, Michigan and back for the Detroit Elks Club. His wife Verna was asked about his walking hobby. She replied, quote, It's a better hobby than hunting or fishing. The only trouble is, he's always too tired to enjoy his own birthday parties. Verna passed away in 1958. For his 70th birthday in 1958, Moat traveled to Atlantic City to start a 70-mile walk back and forth across the boardwalk, which took him about 16 hours. His total birthday miles were nearly 2,500 at that point. Also that year, Moat did another World Series walk, this time to New York City to watch the Yankees play. During his walking career, he had walked to about a dozen World Series games. 
his biggest worry wasn't about the walk. It was whether he would be able to get tickets. I'll pay for tickets, but I thought perhaps somebody would reserve them for me. From his Pennsylvania home, he had walked to New York about 30 times and to Chicago about 25 times. Around his hometown, everyone knew him. He waved to all he saw when he walked. He explained that it sometimes had its disadvantages. Once I was standing on a corner and I decided to take a bus. I waved at the bus driver and he just smiled and waved back and kept on going. In 1961, Moat was sounding a little cocky when he offered $50 to anyone who could stay with him on a 50-mile walk through neighboring towns. A few can keep up with me for a while, but sooner or later they fall off from exhaustion, stomach cramps, or sore feet. At the end of this walk, he planned to dance at a bar. Two men took up his offer. One man was younger Kemper, age 44, who had been training with Moat. The other was John Orles, age 27, who was a golf caddy. Orles boasted, After lugging two golf bags over both shoulders for 100 holes a day, I could walk to the moon and back. By mile 20, the trio had walked for four hours. All ended up doing well. Moat finished the 50 miles in 12 hours 38 minutes. Kemper, two minutes later, and Orles, five minutes later. The two split the $50. Moat's most historic 100-mile run came in 1961 when he was 74 years old. The course was to walk between Leedsdale and Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, walking back and forth between the two towns along the Ohio River eight and a half times. Two others entered to attempt it, John Oros and Jack Hiller. But once some storms arrived, they both dropped out. Moat reached 100 miles in 23 hours, 50 minutes, which was at least the fourth time that he had walked 100 miles in less than a day. At the finish, he was exhausted, but the only ill effect was a big blister on his left toe. A country uh, is as strong, really, as its citizens. And I think that mental and physical health, mental and physical vigor, go hand in hand. At the age of 76, in 1963, during the 50-mile craze started by President Kennedy, Moat set off on a 300-mile stroll to Washington, D.C. In order to show these youngsters how to really hike. His walk was sponsored by a local real estate agency who accompanied him with a crew car. When Moat arrived at Washington, a congressman from Pennsylvania waited to greet him on the steps of the Capitol. I feel better than when I started. He had walked through a snowstorm and in temperatures down to eight below zero. President Kennedy sent him a message of congratulations with the congressman. To celebrate his 80th birthday, Moat made three round trips to West Aliquippa, Pennsylvania for 60 miles and then the next day walked 20 miles to Oakland, Pennsylvania to celebrate with Stan Musial before a baseball game between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the St. Louis Cardinals. He still had never owned a car and said, If I don't walk, I don't feel good. While 81 years old in 1968, Moat walked 25 miles to the Pittsburgh Pirates baseball home opener. His string of birthday walks likely ended that year to cap off an amazing birthday walk string of nearly 70 years. 
1978, Alvin F. Moat Bergman died at the age of 90 in the Elks National Home, Bedford, Virginia, where he had been living for the previous two years. He finished his walking career with about 385,000 miles. Moat set his mark on ultra-running history by being one of the very early few Americans who spanned the pre-war era of ultra-running into the modern era. While he didn't participate in races after about 1948 because they were few and far between, he most likely was the first American to cover 100 miles in less than 24 hours during the modern era with his walks in 1950 and 1961. If you enjoy these podcast episodes and want to help contribute, please visit ultraRunningHistory.com and please use the donation button. With that, this is Davy Crockett and this is the Ultra Running History Podcast. I hope you run fast and far, enjoy life, get outdoors, and most of all, stay safe and don't take unnecessary chances.